Today on the Matt Wall Show, uh, we are told that an armed right-wing militia member shot a, quote, protester who was trying to tear down a statue. Uh, but there's a lot more, a lot more to this story, and we're going to talk about it. And, and I think what this show, story really shows is that law and order is officially dead in America. If you thought that already happened, well, maybe it did. But this is the, um, this is the thing that really makes it clear. We'll talk about that. Also, five headlines, including the left's attempts to cancel a man because they don't like the shirt that he wore while fishing over the weekend. And also, the Supreme Court has magically discovered transgenderism in the Civil Rights Act. How do they do that? We'll discuss it. Uh, that and much more all coming up. Before we get to anything else, though, I want to tell you about our good friends at rockauto.com. If you're looking for auto parts, if you gotta, if you got to you know, take care of a problem with your uh, car or, or, or any vehicle that you have, no reason to go to an auto parts store. Just go to rockauto.com. It's so easy to do, much easier than walking into a store, a lot more convenient, too. The other thing, it's cheaper. You know, it's it's you're going to get the reliably low prices. You're going to get the best prices you can get anywhere else, and they're going to be right there on RockAuto.com. RockAuto.com. Uh, what I like about it, one of the many things I like about it, it's a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. They've been doing this for a long time, but they're still a family business. Uh, you go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Best of all, prices at RockAuto.com are always reliably. Low. That's the one thing you can count on is reliably low prices. The other thing you can count on is a great selection and very easy to navigate as well. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck and write Walsh in there. How did you hear about us box so that they know that we sent you? Um, okay. Law and order is officially dead in our country. It's finished. It's, it's done. I'm afraid to say it's one thing to have rampaging mobs in the streets. That's bad enough. It's another thing to have law enforcement and state authorities who will not enforce the law against that mob. Those are both bad situations, bad and worse situations. But it's still another thing for law enforcement and state authorities to not only refuse to enforce the law against these mobs, these criminals, but to actively protect the criminals. And that's where we are now. We, we've gotten all the way to that point. The law is not just neutralized. It has been twisted, perverted, and is now being wielded in favor of, at the behest of, according to the demands of the mob. And that's the death of law and order. It's over. And that's where we are. So here's an example, the latest example, and it's, uh, it's a doozy. In New, in New Mexico, a now familiar sight began to unfold yesterday. Uh, a gang of criminals, a gang of vandals, a gang of terrorists decided they were going to pull down a statue. This one was of a conquistador who they don't like. You know, conquistador 500 years ago. They're still upset about it. F 500 years later, these people, they're still mad about this uh, conquistador. 500, half a millennium later, they're mad. Now, their problem with this particular statue, uh, actually, you know what? I don't care what their problem is. Their, their problem doesn't matter. I was going to go into the explanation of the history. I, I, you know, I don't care. You shouldn't care. I don't care. Um, mobs who tear down statues should be defied, ignored, tamped down, resisted, arrested. I don't care why they don't like the statue. I really don't. In fact, if I were in charge, I'd keep the statue up and build another one. I would say, oh, you don't like this statue? Okay, we'll build a second one then. And it's going to be twice as big. 
just to spite you. That's what we're going to do. You know, I, I, I would, I would, this is what I would do. In fact, I'm going to run for president. And my sole campaign promise is this. I'm going to build a, I'm going to build 300 foot statues of Columbus in Seattle, Portland, San Francisco, Austin, and New York. That's what I'm going to do. And then I, and then I'll resign. That's, that's the only thing I want to do as president. Uh, and, and that's the right way to respond. I mean, I'm only half joking. In fact, I'm not joking at all. It, th- that's how you respond to mobs. As I've argued, no matter how you feel about any of these statues, and I personally like most of them, especially the ones of Columbus. I love those because he's one of the great men of history. But no matter how you feel, even if you hate the statues, you should oppose pulling them down at the behest of a mob. And you should especially oppose the mob doing it themselves. For the sake of law and order, for the sake of good sense and decency and civilization, you should oppose that. Okay. We want to have a conversation about a particular statue, not in a panic. Okay, we're not all coming together in a panic. Oh, no, the mob doesn't like it. We have to do something about the statue. No, no. I mean, if you want to have a, a reasonable discussion about a statue and talk about it, we can do that. You start grabbing the ropes and the chains and, and, and spray painting and defacing and crying and screaming. It's, the discussion's over. We're not talking about it now. It's the same thing I say to my kids. You know, if you have a, a problem with something that's happening, uh, if you don't like something, you, we can talk about it. But if you come here stomping your feet, and if you scream, and if you're not polite, and if you don't talk to me the way you're supposed to, we're not gonna we're not gonna have a discussion. That's what I have to say to my kids. You know, my seven year olds. I have to say this to them. No matter what you want to talk about, if you're if you're approaching me like that, we're not gonna discuss it. So a lot of times I have to say to them. You know, when they, when they come stomping up and, and screaming, I have to say, no, leave the room, try that again, walk back to me without stomping, wipe the look off your face, and, and, and talk to me politely with respect, and then we'll discuss. That's, that's what we need to be saying to the mob, because these are a bunch of children. These are a bunch of toddlers. They have less maturity than my seven-year-olds do. Probably because my seven-year-olds have the advantage of parents. You know, me and my wife, we're parenting them. A lot of these uh, overgrown toddlers never had that. In any case, the mob showed up for this statue. Uh, As per usual, law enforcement did nothing, refused to enforce the law. Tearing down statues is illegal. I feel like I have to keep repeating that because you can forget that part of it. But it is actually illegal to do this. It It is, in fact, a felony to do this. Uh, to destroy property in most in most states, destroying property that's over five hundred dollars in value is a felony. These statues are priceless. These are priceless works of art that 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 were handmade by artists years ago, centuries ago in some cases. But state and official, state and local officials, law enforcement, they're sitting back and letting them do it. So a group of armed citizens being called vigilantes, um, I believe they would call themselves militia, uh, came to defend the statue. And this is what happens. When the government refuses to uphold the law, people take matters into their own hands. Don't want that to happen. I don't want that to happen. But do you know how you stop that if you're a government official, if you're, if you're in law enforcement, if you're a police chief? You do your damned 
job. You don't just sit back and complain about vigilantism. Don't sit there and, and, and refuse to enforce the law and welcome chaos and anarchy and violence in the streets um, and then scold the vigilantes who step in or take advantage or however you want to put it. Enforce the law. That's how you solve the vigilante problem. That's how you solve the problem of the, of the rampaging mob. You solve all those problems by enforcing the law. Now, um, so we've got the, the, the criminal vandals uh, committing a felony. We've got the armed militia responding. Things, of course, go sideways. What do you think is going to happen? And what we're being told by the media is that one of the armed, uh, quote-unquote, vigilantes ended up firing into the crowd, shooting a, quote, protester. You know, this is how it's sort of being characterized. Um, the Albuquerque police chief, who, again, had no interest in upholding the law and preventing violent criminals from defacing public property and tearing down a priceless work of art just because it gave them the sads and it made their tummy hurt, is now coming out forcefully against the militia. He said, the police chief says, um, uh, we are receiving reports about vigilante groups possibly instigating the violence. If this is true, we will be holding them accountable to the full extent of the law, including federal hate group designation and prosecution. Um, here's what the governor said. Uh, let me see if I can pull that up. Michelle Grisham says, although we're still learning more about the situation, I'm horrified and disgusted beyond words by the reports of violence at the protest Monday night in Albuquerque. The heavily armed individuals who flaunted themselves at the protest, calling themselves a civil guard, were there for one reason, to menace protesters to present an unsanctioned show of unregulated force. To menace the people of New Mexico with, with weaponry is on its face unacceptable. That violence did indeed occur is unspeakable. Unspeakable, she says. Now, did, did we, uh, in fairness, I haven't checked. Something tells me, though, that uh, Governor uh, Michelle Grisham has not, there's not going to be much of her speaking that forcefully against the, you know, left-wing mobs that have burned down buildings and assaulted people and thrown Molotov cocktails at police officers. Has she come out and called that violence unspeakable? Has she denounced them in, 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 in terms that strong? If she has, then great. I somehow doubt that she has. Most Democrat governors have not. But she also says um, their, their actions are unsanctioned. Okay. What about the mob that's there committing the crime of tearing down the statue? Is that sanctioned? She's calling this a protest. Governor, they're committing a crime in your state. And you're calling that a protest. And if committing crimes can be a protest, then why can't a, why can't a vigilante group say that they're, this is a protest on their part? Now, um, okay, let's, so let's, this is how it's all being characterized. Let's go to the video and see the actual incident itself. Here it is.
What you see right there to me is clear-cut self-defense. The guy, I don't know his name, blue shirt guy, we'll call him, is retreating. They attack. He shoots. Self-defense. Okay. He's, he's, uh, uh, in fact, he's, he's attacked. He's hit by a, someone with a skateboard. He retreats. They're pursuing him. They continue to attack. Finally, he's tackled, and then the, and then the shot is fired. That would seem to me to be self-defense. What happened right before that? Well, here's the lead-up to what you just saw, and I think that, I think this this fills in all the gaps, and we have the the basically the whole context of everything. So, what, here's what led up to that moment. Watch. Okay. Was it necessary for him to do that? No. Should he have done it? No. But we should also keep in mind that this mob, again, is committing a felony. Um, This woman is initiating contact, blocking his path in order to assist in the commission of this crime. These are not, there, there are no innocent victims in this situation at all. The mob are all, they're all criminals doing what they have no right to do. Blue shirt man has every right to walk into that crowd. They, they don't have a right. It's not like the mob has a right to commit a crime unimpeded. They say, back away, we're committing, committing a crime here. No, nope, you're not allowed in. Uh, but he didn't have to pull the you know, MMA move, uh, obviously, there. Does this change the fact that he acted in self-defense in the first video that we played? No, I don't see that it does. He's retreating. He's leaving. He's standing down. Um, they attack. They attack because they're angry at him, not because he's a continued threat. He's leaving the situation. So they're mad at what he did, and they attack him. That's not legally justified. That, that's not self-defense on their part. And so, okay, now we have a, an altercation that at this point has been initiated by uh, one of the vandals, and that's when he shoots, and that would, again, seem to be self-defense to me. Notice something else, though. W- w- what do they do? They start calling for the cops. You hear the guy in the video, cop, get the cops, the cops, get the cops, get his license plate. You want to abolish the cops. What are you going to do with the license plate information? If you abolish the police officer, the, 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 the cops, if, if there's no police officers, you get someone's license plate um, after they've just assaulted a woman. What are you going to do with that information? What do you think you're going to do with it? You know, they hate the cops. They want the cops abolished, yet they're calling for them. Because we, they're, they're, they're a bunch of tough guys. That we, don't need no, we don't need no stinking police. We don't need the police. We can take care of it ourselves. Bunch of tough guys. But, you know, the moment the, the, the you-know-what hits the fan, now they're calling for the cops. But here's the real point, okay? Why are we even in the position of sorting through this chaos and figuring out who's at fault. Why are we in this position in the first place? Why was there even an occasion for a left-wing criminal mob to clash with a right-wing militia? Why was there an occasion for that? Why was any of this happening? Because the law is not being enforced. This isn't rocket science. This isn't a difficult equation. It's not hard to figure out. If you you don't enforce the law, you're going to end up with mobs, criminals, vigilantes, and militias. 
I said that last week. We were talking about defund the police. I said you defund the police, guess what you're going to have? Militias and vigilante mobs. Guess what we just saw? Of course, the, defeat, the police haven't been defunded. They've just retreated. They've all but been defunded. Um, this is what you get. This is, this is what you always get. This is always going to be the result. If the law is not, go- is not enforced, this is what is going to happen. So enforce the law. The police should be there surrounding the statue, arresting anyone who tries to take it down. Arrest them, cuff them. The minute, I mean, think about the how long, it, think about the process of, of tearing down a statue. This is not something that you can do in 30 seconds. This, you got to have all the, the you know, you got to have all the, you need the rope and the chain, you got all the material, you need, you need to get a bunch of people together. It takes time to do, especially if you're doing it, uh, shall we say, unofficially, that is illegally. And there's no one around if it's a, it's a cop's just letting it happen. The, the moment someone takes the rope and puts it around the statue, you come in and cuff them, put them in the car, and send them to jail. This is what should be happening everywhere. And no, I don't, I don't, I don't blame the police for this first. Because they're being told to stand down. And I understand, you know, the, the cops are telling you to stand down. You're the, the, this is what the brass is saying. This is, what, this is what people in charge are saying. If you're a police officer, are you going to go in by yourself and try to take on the mob? No, you're not going to do that. Uh, you're going to get in trouble for that if you do it. It's not going to have any effect. You're just going to get assaulted by the mob. So there's nothing you can do. I mean, as an individual police officer, you know, if, 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 if no one is enforcing the law, you're almost as powerless as anyone else is around. Um, so I understand that. But this is still a decision being made, not by individual police officers, but by people higher up. You know, police chiefs and higher than that, mayors and governors. Decision they're making not to enforce the law. They decide to enforce it. All this goes away. Okay. Um, you do that. You know, if, if, if they had done that in New Mexico, that vandal never would have been shot. It's that, it's, that, it's that simple. He might have been arrested. If you had done what you were supposed to do with someone like that and just arrested him to begin with for trying to tear down a statue, you, you would have saved him. Now, from what I understand, he's, in, he's, in, he's not, he, fortunately, he didn't die, but uh, you would have saved him from being in critical condition in the hospital. By the way, um, the vandal last week uh, that, that uh, I don't know if you saw that video. I don't, I don't remember if we played it on the show or not. They're tearing down a statue somewhere. The statue falls right on top of one of these guys, splits his head open. You enforce the law there, and that guy never never um, suffers what I'm sure was brain damage. That doesn't happen. That's the other thing that we miss in this. Tearing down a statue, is it's, that's dangerous. This is a, a large, very heavy object that you're tearing down. And it's a mob of people all surrounding it. It's dangerous in and of itself. That should be reason enough to enforce the law, is that it's dangerous to do. There's a reason why you wouldn't send a mob of 50 people out to just randomly chop down a tree. It's a, it's a, it's a, that's a dangerous procedure, and you need to be very careful in how you do it, or someone's going to get hurt or killed. 
It's dangerous in itself. And then it's dangerous when you, when you mix in other groups of people that are trying to stop it from happening. So that's reason enough. But this is, this is just our, the people in charge, our elected leaders, so-called leaders, leaders in name only. This is a decision that they've made. Not going to enforce the law. And in fact, they're going to protect the lawbreakers. They're going to provide them with a forum. They're going to clear the path. Give them space to destroy is what the mayor of Baltimore said years ago. And that was a, during the Baltimore riots a few years ago, uh, after the Freddie Gray case, and the mayor of Baltimore said, we have to give the rioters space to destroy. That was an outrageous and terrifying thing to hear one mayor say about what was happening in Baltimore. This is now what is happening across the country. Governors across the country, mayors across the country are saying, this is space to destroy. The entire country apparently is space for the mob to destroy. It's only going to get worse, I'm afraid to say. All right, let's go to uh, let's go to news headlines. Number one, a lot of news. We'll start with uh, this. Of course, a profoundly significant decision from the Supreme Court yesterday, and a profoundly terrible one. Um, my friend Josh Hammer calls this the Roe v. Wade of religious liberty, which which seems to be a pretty good way of putting it. A six justice majority led by Neil Gorsuch, Trump's pick. One of the reasons we were told we had to elect Trump instead of one of the other Republicans, is that Trump will give us great Supreme Court picks. You know, he's, he's going to be the guy who gives us the really good ones. Uh, but not so much as it turns out. Trump's Supreme Court picks have been a little bit like his wall. It was supposed to be big and beautiful across 2,000 miles and, you know, ends up being a little bit of fencing here and there. Not nearly as impressive as he promised, to put it mildly. Anyway, Gorsuch and the liberal justices, uh, to include John Roberts, found that Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, which is supposed to protect against sex-based discrimination in employment, also applies to gender identity and sexual orientation. Now, there are so many problems here that it's hard to count, and I would recommend reading Josh's piece in the New York Post. Um, You could read Ryan T. Anderson in the Daily Signal. Uh, He's always got great stuff on this. Or listen to Ben on this. I mean, as I'm sure you already have. They're going to give you a more comprehensive analysis than what you'll hear from me because they're experts in the, the, the legal issues at, uh, at play here. To my mind, just briefly, a few things jump out at me. First being that the Supreme Court's job is to tell us what the law says. That's their job, to settle disputes about what the law says. No reasonable person actually thinks that Title VII really means to protect gender identity. Whatever that even means. Because none of the people responsible for Title VII, for that statute, had any concept of our modern notion of gender identity. That wasn't a thing. They didn't, they didn't, no one talked about that. They most certainly did not mean to include that. In fact, people with a modern notion of gender identity in modern times don't have any actual notion of what it really is because it's an imaginary concept. But the point is that, that, that Title VII, everyone knows, doesn't actually protect gender identity. Doesn't doesn't really do that. Liberals think that it should, which, okay, is a different argument. The Supreme Court is not supposed to be changing laws to make them into what they should be. That's the legislator's job. That's why we we elect lawmakers to do that. 
the decision, um, and, and that's what this decision was. It was it was legislation. It wasn't saying this is what the law says. It was saying this is what the law should say. And so now we're going to pretend that it does say that. Um, also, the implications here are enormous and troubling, of course, to turn gender identity into a protected class opens Pandora's box. Um, essentially, what the justices have done here is codify into law the idea that biological males are female, if they say they are. A biological ma- ma- male can be protected under, under the same statute that protects women from discrimination if he says that he's a woman. Which means that we are now legally recognizing that a man who says he's a woman, even though isn't, actually magically therefore turns into one. And now, uh, now that they're in a protected class, does that mean that religious employers, religious schools, uh, churches are not allowed to make hiring decisions according to their religion? Does it mean that men now have a God-given human right to enter into women's locker rooms and bathrooms and sports teams? Those issues aren't directly mentioned in this decision, but that obviously is the groundwork that has been laid, and all of that is coming next. So that's what we have to look forward to. Speaking of the rule of law being dead, number two, the Boy Scouts of America have come out and, uh, of course, bend the knee uh, and bowed before BLM and the radical left. No surprise there. BSA has been bowing to the radical left for years now. That's why the organization is dying and deserves to die. Uh, it just serves no. I mean, there's no reason to put your kids in the Boy Scouts now. I, I, I don't know what I don't know what you would be thinking if you if you did. It just the Boy Scouts don't. They basically don't exist. They exist in name only now. Um, but there's no reason if you're looking for you know, whatever you're turning to the Boy Scouts for. There are better organizations than the Boy Scouts now. Um, but it, it, also the Boy Scouts they came up with a merit badge. This is the latest. In their effort to, you know, show off how woke and enlightened they are, there's a new merit badge. It's the Inclusion and Diversity Badge that will be required of any scout who wants to become an Eagle Scout. Right? Diversity and inclusion. That's the badge. Which is an important life skill, isn't it? Diversity and inclusion. I mean, that's, uh, you know, if you're, if you're out in the woods trying to survive. I can just imagine, you know, imagine someone, someone, someone coming out of the wilderness after spending two months in there, and uh, and you ask them, you say, you know, how, how did you do it? How did you survive? And they say, well, I recalled my training as a scout. I mean, thank God I'm an Eagle Scout. I knew how to build a fire. I knew how to hunt. I knew how to fish. I knew how to build a shelter. But most importantly, I'm very skilled in the area of diversity and inclusion. I was just including stuff everywhere. That was the main thing. That's how I survived, by including. So much stuff was included. I was including left and right. That's what saved me. Uh, number three, the latest victim of cancel culture is Oklahoma State football coach Mike Gundy. Gundy apparently went uh, on a fishing trip recently wearing an OAN shirt. OAN is uh, One American News Network, a conservative news organization that uh, has, has really been the target of the left's wrath in particular recently because Trump has, uh, has mentioned them a few times. And... He went wearing a, he's wearing a shirt, OAN shirt. That's all. The shirt just says OAN. That's all it says. And now the left has gone to work canceling him for a shirt that he wore while fishing. Some brave journalists found a picture on Facebook and posted that to Twitter, got the mob worked up. 
Then some players said they, they're going to refuse to play for Gundy because, because of the shirt and on and on and on. And that's how it goes. And Gundy has already uh, come out and, I mean, all but apologized for the shirt and said that he's going to work hard on, uh, you know, bridging the gap and blah, 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 that, that, that whole thing. Uh, so we, we know how this goes. But they're at the point now where they want to control the shirt you wear when you go fishing. They think that's their business. They're going to, they basically, what I guess the, the idea is they should be able to dress you in the morning. Everything you do is their business. And if you do anything in any context or say anything in any context, past, present, or future, and they don't like it, they should be able to destroy your life. Number four, Thomas Jefferson statue has been torn down by vandals in Portland. Um, I, you know, this should not surprise us. I, I, some of us have been warning about this for years. In fact, I, back when I, when I worked for the Blaze, I don't know, four years ago or more, uh, I wrote an article saying they're going to come for the, you know, when, when, that, when that round of, of Confederate statues were being torn down back, uh, you know, four or five years ago, I wrote an article. I wasn't the only one, but making the argument that this, this is groundwork that's being laid. And they're coming for the Confederate statues. Next, it's going to be the founders. And if you don't want the founders to be torn down, if you don't want Columbus to be torn down, if you don't want this to continue, then you need to resist the mob even here when it comes to Confederate statues. Because as I keep saying, no matter how you feel about those statues, if you start appeasing the mob and letting them tear it down and supporting them in doing it and making arguments in their favor, you have, you have, you have opened the floodgates. And there's not going to be any closing it. Especially when you listen to the reason why they want these statues torn down. One of the big things you hear about the Confederate statues is, uh, well, we got to turn it, tear it down because these are slave owners who are racist. Well, okay. That, there, there are it's a lot more than Confederates who fall into that category. A lot of slave owners existed in the world um, prior to, you know, the 19th century. 19th century and earlier, a lot of slave owners all across the world, not just white people. 19th century and earlier, everybody was racist by modern standards. So if we're saying you could tear statues down for that reason, then they're all coming down. Washington and Jefferson, forget about it. They're, they're finished. They were racist men who owned slaves. No doubt about that. Can't, can't deny it. But as always, you know, conservatives are just uh, historically, um, especially in recent times, conservatives are, are, are just so obtuse and so slow to, to pick up on what's happening around them. This has been the great frustration for me for years, is how slow conservatives are. You know, you've got the left focusing intensely on some area of the culture war, while conservatives are saying, oh, it's a sideshow, it doesn't matter. Eh, yeah, just, just let them get it out of their system. It'll, it'll end there, I'm sure. Do you understand now how this works? It never ends. It never ends. If you, if you agree with them on this area here, if you try to appease them here, it, it's, it's not going to end. Okay, something a little positive, something to brighten your day, I think we'll, we'll end with uh, the, the new segment. Number five, uh, take a look at this video. 
I know people don't like Trump. I understand that. But let me tell you something. If I had to pick between him and Joe Biden, I'm not voting in Joe Biden. You want to see you want to see a bunch of black people go to jail by the next four years? Put Joe Biden to Watch what happens. You want to see black men get killed substantially? Like, they, like you've never seen before, put Joe Biden in and watch what happens. These Democrats, and I'm sorry to say this, I'm not trying to be racist, but they hate black people. These are the same people who have fought to keep slavery in. These are the same people who built the KKK. These are the same people who hated us from the beginning. The Republican Party is the party of the blacks. Blacks, the Republican Party is the only party that the black people actually assisted in finding. But all of that history has been torn away. People say, oh, there was this big switch. There was never a big switch. The union, the union won because we had grown in the industrial area era. So we were able to get trains and get supplies back to our soldiers while the Confederate was still riding horses. They were not able to get supplies back fast enough, right? So what happened was once slavery was abolished in the South, the people in the South could no longer make their money from slaves. They had to move to the North to work in the industry to produce. And so the people in the North that already had established themselves in the industry moved to the South. And so that's where it was a transfer of people coming from the South to the North and people coming from the North to the South. There was never a big switch. So so the same Democrats who hated black people from the beginning are the same ones who hate us now. And they use our cause. How did Black Lives Matter turn into something about LGBTQ? When blacks really don't support that. We're conservative. We're really not about that. Not only that, we don't support abortion. We're about working. This is the black culture. We ain't ever been about that. Not only that, we're not about feminism. No, we're not. Black women marry their husbands and respect their husbands. That's what we on. We're not on this. Oh, I do what I want. We don't do that. That's not our community, and you would understand. I know you understand what I'm saying. We don't do that. But yet these people are hijacking our movement, and the Democratic Party, they're trying to hijack our stuff. No. And I don't think I need to add anything to that. I think it's just great stuff. Um, there's, a, there's a woman who knows what she's talking about. We're going to get to your daily cancellation in just a second. Before we do, you know, so much going on in the news, we just ran through a lot of it. I know it's kind of overwhelming, and you want to be able to sort through what you're hearing. That's why you need to get a reader's pass today from dailywire.com. Uh, you'll get access to exclusive op-eds from us, your, your podcast hosts, as well as guest writers and in-depth analysis from our Daily Wire reporters on top of our regular breaking news. You get all of that. This membership tier is already a bargain at 3 bucks a month, but if you join today and get your first month, uh, for 99 cents. You also get access to our mobile app and receive push notifications for breaking news and special content, as well as you join the community of Daily Wire members who are actively commenting and discussing our content with each other. That's mobile ad-free access to all of our Daily Wire news, exclusive op-eds, and more on our mobile app, all for the low price of just $1. Best of all, your dollars are getting you the news you need without the left to spin. So head over to dailywire.com slash subscribe and join today. For our daily cancellation today, I'm going to cancel anyone who tries to use Jesus to justify rioting and mob rule. Uh, I've seen a lot of this kind of thing in recent weeks. For example, there's this tweet, which went massively viral. It's like 150,000 plus um, uh, retweets. It says, I swear to God, Christians forget that Jesus was publicly executed by the government for being a threat to their power and causing political unrest. And more recently, there's this. Um, the Reverend Lenny Duncan says, Jesus was a man of color, murdered by law enforcement and state-sanctioned violence for insurrection against the Roman Empire. And if you go to this um, article from NPR with, with Lenny Duncan, you see him there with the Black Lives Matter uh, robe on. Uh, and and you know, he's, there's an interview with him. And um, 
He says he has a lot to say. Uh, um, among them, he compares Trayvon Martin to Jesus. Okay, so just to give you a, an idea of where this guy is coming from. The attempt to make Jesus into a leader of the mob, uh, the leader of a, of a violent insurrectionist movement, much like Antifa, and to say that he was killed by a government fearful of his threat to their power, I mean, that's the kind of take on the passion story that you might have if you've never read the passion story. But here's my strategy. Okay, and it's pretty radical, pretty wild, I admit. But before I form an opinion on a thing, especially a biblical thing, I like to read the thing. That, that's just, that's how I approach it. Okay, my personal preference, we all have our own way of, of going about it. But I figure if I'm going to have something to say about this, um, maybe I should know what it is. I don't know, just an idea. And when I do that, I discover that, no, Jesus was not killed because he was an insurrectionist who threatened Rome's power. That's a convenient way of looking at it if you're a leftist in modern America. That's not actually what happened. Rome couldn't care less about Jesus. Um, they had. There's a reason why contemporary Roman historians and, and, and other contemporaries uh, in the Roman, Roman government who were around at the time of Jesus, none of them mention him in their record books. He, to them, he was just an itinerant preacher, um, uh, you know, a, a Jewish preacher going around and, you know, preaching his own religion. They didn't care about that. In fact, the Roman authorities cleared Jesus of the insurrection charge. It's a pretty crucial part of the, the, the passion narrative. We, you know, he's, he, the high priest bring Jesus to Pilate, and uh, Pilate interrogates him and says, I don't see any problem with the guy. It's, I, you know, I, I just don't see it. He's, he's, I'm paraphrasing. But he says, uh, you know, he, the guy, he appears to be innocent to me. Ultimately, Pilate orders Jesus' execution. Why does he do that? And here's the crucial point. Why, why, is, why does Pilate order the execution of Jesus? It's not because Pilate, as the governing authority, is afraid of Jesus or thinks he's an insurrectionist or is a threat to their power. No. It's because the mob demanded. The mob shouted, crucify him. Pilate ordered the execution. He did something he knew was wrong, um, ignoring, in fact, ignoring Roman law uh, because the mob demanded it. So if there's any lesson here, you know, aside from the, the theological lessons that can be applied to this current situation in America, it's about mob rule. It's about, it's about this is why you don't cave to the mob. This is why governing authorities need to uphold the rule of law. Uh, the, the execution of Jesus was not done in an attempt to uphold the rule of law. It was really done in defiance of the rule of law. It was done because the, the, the rule of the mob had supplanted the rule of law. And this is what happens when a governing authority caves to the mob and gives a violent mob whatever they want you end up executing the Messiah, okay? That's the real lesson. But what you find from leftist activists is that they can take, and this is just one example, but they can take a story out of the Bible 
that, that completely opposes their worldview and everything they're doing, and they can twist it in support of them. They, 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 can, they can make it say the, the exact opposite of what it actually says. And as I said, this is just one example, but um, everyone doing that is, is uh, therefore canceled. And maybe we should all go and, you know, it's, it's a good practice in general to actually read the Bible. Uh, so maybe go actually read the, the passion story. You might, you, might, you might find some stuff in there that surprises you if you've never actually read it, but, but you've gone around giving your opinion on it regardless. All right, we'll leave it there. Thanks for watching, everybody. Have a great day. Godspeed. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review. Tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, Michael Knowles Show, and The Andrew Clavin Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Wall Show is produced by Sean Hampton, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Our technical producer is Austin Stevens, edited by Danny D'Amico, and our audio is mixed by Robin Fenderson. The Matt Wall Show is a Daily Wire production, copyright Daily Wire 2020. Gorsuch betrays conservatives. Transgenderism is now a protected class. And Chaz changes its name to CHOP. It's very fitting, very French Revolution. Check it all out on The Michael Knowles Show. Hold up. 